Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode four of the Cocky Nation podcast. Today, it's just me and Brandon. Caleb is MIA. He had something. I don't remember what he had to do. He had something to do. Um, today is going to be a very ranty episode. We don't have too many topics. Uh, we're going to touch on the uh, the unfortunate SELA game. We're going to talk about the UTC game coming up this weekend. And we're probably going to talk about a couple of the FCS matchups throughout the nation. So, first up, I don't even want to talk about it. The SELA game. I don't either, but it needs to be talked about. And we need to talk. We're probably going to talk about it a lot. Um, it did not go the way we expected. Me, Caleb, and Brandon, and I feel like most of the nation, picked JSU as the winner for that game. And as we all know, JSU was not the winner for that game. Uh, so, Brandon, I want to know your thoughts. Why was JSU not the winner of that game? Well, the biggest one, the biggest reason is um, discipline. There is absolutely no discipline whatsoever. Hopefully that changes this upcoming week. But it, there was, they weren't focused. They weren't being mindful of what they were doing on the field. They were making mental errors. I, I mean, it may have been the Louisiana humidity that got to them. I don't know. but it, We, we it can makes, only blame the weather so many times. We blame the main game on the weather. But that's we can true. Only, that, is, that one is true. Like, that one's definitely true. But at some point, these guys have to take some accountability. Absolutely. They, at a certain point, they just did not like it, it looked like they gave up after a certain point. absolutely absolutely and I, I did not I, that was just not my Jacksonville State Gamecocks that were playing at all um a few things a few more things um our offensive coordinator needs to open up his playbook a little bit he did the exact same thing that he did against Kennesaw State what's his name I always forget Ogle is his last name Ogle I'm going to look it up real quick. Hold on. But as you're doing that, he ran the same plays over and over and over again, thinking there would be better results. No. As any great football team does, they pick up on that, and they, they just stopped us, absolutely stopped us. For the discipline, we had 10 penalties for 83 yards. Unreal, man. Well, we had we had an over under set last episode for, but I believe it was only holding and false start penalties. We said ten. Me and you took the under. Caleb said over. So I think we win. We win that. We one. win that one. I because mean, there were some pass interference. It's a bittersweet victory. A it's a bittersweet victory. But you know, a win is a win. Jimmy Ogle is his name. Jimmy Ogle. Jimmy Ogle is his name. If you're listening to this, Jimmy Ogle, I'm sorry. But facts are facts. You have to open up your playbook, yeah. especially with EWU coming up next week. Now, I'm going to come to the defense of Mr. Ogle a little bit because somebody was saying this. I think it was Kyler on the FCS page that given the scenario and how our offensive line could not match up to Sela, the play calling – he said it was smart. I'm not going to go that far, but I didn't think it was bad. Because uh-huh. when it worked, I mean, we're just throwing a lot of screens, really short passes, 
when it worked, we were kind of making, you know, five-yard gain, six-yard gain, five-yard gain, four, and just making our way up the field, and that looked okay. But the root of the problem for me is the offensive line. That's like 75% of the issue for me. And Gross did say in his press conference interview, I don't know if it was his press conference interview for the week or if he told a bunch of the players and word got around, but he did say that the offensive line is starting fresh. Nobody has a starting spot for this week. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah, for me, they were at least 75% of the problem, right? So big issues. Um, Zarek had a good game stats-wise. This was talked about a lot. But he Uh threw two interceptions, and they were both terrible, and they cost us 14 points. Big issue. Um, The play calling, people are saying, has been a big issue. For me, both of those are because of the offensive line. So that we, Zarek, it looks to me, now, don't get me wrong, I think Zarek is a fantastic talent. Uh I think he has the potential still to be the best quarterback that's ever come out of JSU. I think he has that potential. He has the talent. But he does not trust the offensive line. And what happens is he gets antsy and he throws the ball about a second early. And both of those interceptions, it looked to me, now I didn't watch any replays, but in real time, it looked like his receivers were just not done running their routes. Uh, And he throws to their spot like a full second early just because he gets antsy because he didn't trust the offensive line. And because that happened enough, now don't get me wrong, those throws were terrible, but... A quarterback, we know he's a good quarterback. He wouldn't be the starting quarterback at JSU if he wasn't a good quarterback. Right. There's no excuse to make those throws. You just don't trust your offensive line. Um, and the play calling, to me, is also indicative that Jimmy Ogle does not trust the offensive line. Because if he did, we would be throwing long balls. But we did not. We threw a lot of screens and a lot of slants. Which made Zarek's stats look awesome because he had like 80% completion, uh-huh. ballpark. Um, but, you know, if every throw is a screen, you should have 80% completion. Uh, he had a lot of yards. He had like 400 passing yards. Yeah, something something, like, that, something yeah. like that. But um, we had no run game, which that is a play calling issue for me, is nobody respects our game on the ground. And we're going to have to develop a ground game for – us to be able to have any success offensively, especially against teams like Eastern Washington. Yes, I I completely agree. Another issue I had, this goes back to the Auburn game and on. In most of the games that we play, we dominate in almost every single category. We led in every single category except third down efficiency and rushing yards. They blew us out of the water on rushing yards. Yeah, because we don't run the ball. First downs, we had 23. Passing yards, we had 414. Total yards, we had 481. In time of possession, we possessed the ball over half the game. We, talent-wise, were the better football team. But, I don't know. I was talking to a buddy of mine, Jaden. I was watching the game with him. Uh, shout out, Jaden. And uh, he was saying that it's cool that we, you know, get a four-star transfer from Florida, right? It's cool that our quarterback is a four-star transfer from Clemson, right? That's awesome. 
Uh, Gross is really good at recruiting these skill players at wide receiver, at quarterback. But the game is won in the trenches. You can have the best quarterback, the best receivers in the world, but if your quarterback feels pressure after a second and a half every single play, you're not going to win football games. And I don't mean to trash on the offensive line. I'm sure they're great guys, but we got to figure it out, man. We got to figure something out. Absolutely. Um, going back to what I said earlier, there's just no drive to win. Yeah. They, they gave up, and it seemed like ever since that stupid hype video, <laughs> the seniors went into that game and was just like, "Oh, we got this. We can we can sit back and just do what we usually do yeah. and win this game." No. You have got to have the drive to win every single time you have the ball on offense. Absolutely. And I, to be real honest with you, I didn't think the hype video was that bad. I really think if they just chose a different dude to rip his shirt off, nobody's talking about this hype video. Exactly. But I, I truly believe the hype video did affect the performance of the team just because it was such a distraction. And... The dudes in the hype video, everybody's trashing it. They're probably a little embarrassed, you know? That's just a distraction. Mm-hmm. Like, that, we, we don't need that. Exactly. And so we've been talking about discipline. They had no drive to win. I think we need to start having some serious discussions about the coaching staff because there's a few things that I think are inexcusable. Uh, one of them is conditioning. Right, Regardless of the talent you have on your team, a good coach is going to have a well-conditioned team. Right, It's not hard. Um, another thing is, is discipline like that. And it's such a big thing because no matter the talent level you have – now, talent's a different thing because recruiting is a whole different game. But talent is the one thing that you can't really fix once your roster is set. You can't force a kid to have more talent. But you can coach a kid to have discipline, and you can coach a kid to have drive to win. And the fact that two years in a row we've been having these issues, I think we need to start calling into question some of the coaching staff at Jackson mm-hmm. State University. There are only two players that I have seen that show discipline across the board, and that is Eric Cooper and Josh Pearson. Yeah. Those are the only two players that show discipline out of the entire team. And it's just so frustrating to watch. I said this last episode, I think. I said I was, I think I said I was cautiously optimistic because I remember sitting back and watching such a talented team lose because of penalties. And the fact that we're having the same issue, the same very preventable issue two years in a row shows me that there's there's issues with the coaching staff and they need to be addressed. Especially the coaching, uh, not the coaching, the um, strength and conditioning coach. He's not, I've seen some of the videos, he's not pushing those boys enough. Like, they're lifting weight that they probably warm up with in their regular, everyday, personal workout routine. I don't know. There's just... I have some coaching experience. I don't have a lot of coaching experience, but I have some coaching experience. And I don't know. There's You can't 
once you have your roster set, talent is something you have no control over, right? So if a team beats you, you want that team to beat you because they were simply more talented than you. That's the only reason that's acceptable to lose a football game. If you lose because of conditioning or because of discipline or because of drive to win, that is 100% preventable. And I blame that on the coaching staff for it happening two years in a row. Exactly. I think that's completely there, unacceptable. There were also times during the game, you can, you can probably guess what I'm talking about. There was a certain play call that did not go the way it should have when you watched the replay. I want to say it was some sort of catch or some sort of fumble against JSU. And Gross did not fight yeah. at all. I don't now, think granted, <laughs> granted, it's the first game, so I understand he's he may be in the mindset that oh, it's the first game, it won't matter. But that, as a coach, you have to do that every single game. I'm I'm sorry, and I, I love you, Coach Gross. I really do. But you have got to step up and fight for Absolutely. your players. You got to start going to bat on, on controversial calls like that. Absolutely, and I don't think I've ever seen Gross get fired up, like angry, fired up. And I, I was telling my roommate after um, uh, after the weekend when we came back and we were still talking about the game. I said, Coach Gross is way too nice. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You he have to have. Your, he is your typical Southern football coach that wants. Everybody to like him. Mm-hmm. He's just too nice. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. You have got... Don't edit this out. You have got to grow some balls and fight for your players. Absolutely. Get fired up. If we don't make the playoffs, do you think Coach Gross will be on the hot seat? Absolutely. I think in a lot of people's minds, he's on the hot seat right now. And look, don't get me wrong. I do think a lot of JSU fans are overreacting for this as far as the season goes. I don't think this one game is going to determine how our season ends up. But it's just so frustrating because in the offseason, we're getting these transfers, we're seeing the puzzle pieces start to come together, and you watch game one, and it's just disappointing. It's just so frustrating because it happens it's so very, so often. Very frustrating. So I do think a lot of JSU fans are overreacting. Um, because there's still an opportunity to win yes. the OVC and get an auto bid. But this game, I don't think they're overreacting for this one simple reason. Yes. It affects seeding. Truly. And I, I think they're overreacting, but I get it. That's really my point. Mm-hmm. I get it because I'm also extremely annoyed by how we played in that game for so many reasons. But, yeah, for me, offensive line is priority number one. Because if we sort that out, I don't think Zarek throws those two interceptions. That's 14 points back. Um, And literally just every play is affected by the offensive line, at least offensively, of course. But for me, that's 75% of the problem. The other 25% is discipline and drive, which I'm blaming on the coaching staff. Oh, absolutely. We have the talent. Use we it. have the depth. If they commit a stupid foul like that, punish them, take them out of the game, replace them with somebody else. Yes. And people, you know, people who don't know a whole lot about the program are going to say, 
well, it's just it's because all those transfers, they all want to be stars. That's what it is. They're all trying to be heroes. And that's not the case at all. Uh-uh. It's truly not the case at all. Like, they're just trying to catch footballs, man. And we're not even getting to the point where those throws are being made because Eric's getting sacked. It's just so frustrating. I don't know. Here, I'm actually going to pull up the depth chart real quick, and I'm going to look at the sizes of our offensive line because I'm not sure if it's a size issue or if it's a skill issue or what. What do you think? It's definitely not a size issue. I can tell you that. Because we've got some big boys. I think they were just not prepared at all. And that falls on the offensive line coach. Yeah. Get a second and pull up this depth chart. I don't know how to use technology, so I'm working on it. Well, while you're doing that, JSU fell from 6 to 18 in the stats poll. 12 spots. Yeah. If that does not catch the team's attention, then there's no hope for this season at all. And for all we know, this could be the loss we need. Absolutely. Because sometimes you need a loss under your belt to, to light a fire underneath you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which maybe it's good because every year we go into the Cupcake OVC, win the OVC, and we get to the first round of playoffs and we play a real team. And we haven't had to play a real team all year. So maybe this is good. Maybe this is good. I don't know. And we're on the bubble looking into the playoffs right now. We were the number four seed to start out the season. And now we're not even anywhere on the bracket. It's frustrating. I think we're going to pull it back, but it's it's still frustrating. Uh, okay, I have the depth chart up. So our offense, going from the top, Zarek Cooper, quarterback, 6'4". Okay, Michael Shaddix, who started left tackle, he is 6'4", 280. Not a small guy. No. Not a huge, huge guy, but not a small guy. Uh, Cameron Hill, 6'1", 290. Okay. DeAndre Butler, center, 6'3", 311. Which I have some things to say about the center as well. Yes. I, now that you bring it up, did it feel like every single snap was like a gentle toss back to, back mm-hmm. to Zarek? What was up with that? I have no idea. I mean, Zarek almost fumbled two yeah. times it looked because like, of that, that. And that's the only two I can think of. It looked like every snap, Zarek had to like take a half step forward and reach for it because it was barely reaching him. Right. What's up with that? That's just strange. All the more reason for Gross to take the um, step he did. Like, with, you know. Saying that there's nobody starting on offense yeah. right now. You have to fight for your for that starting spot. Like a bad center, I guess, is just going to make a couple bad snaps a game. But it's not like these wild snaps are sailing over Zarek's head. They're barely reaching him. And it was every single one. That's just strange to me. It was awful. Just strange. Yeah, but DeAndre Butler, that was 6'3", 3'11". And we have Darius Anderson, who is 6'3", 3'10". Your Majesty Sanders at 6'5", 297". So they're not small dudes. Oh, no. You know, our shortest one is 6'1", but he weighs 290, right? It's, I don't think it's really a size issue. But it's discipline. It's strength coaching, and conditioning. Strength and conditioning. 
poor ball handling by the center. I mean, mental errors. Yeah. Literally mental errors. And maybe those mental errors, um, all the, the holding penalties and false starts, are just because they don't trust themselves. You know? You're just certain you're getting bullied all game. Maybe you're going to start holding somebody, see if you can get away with it, because how else are you going to protect your quarterback? You know? Or you're getting false start penalties because you're getting antsy because you're really, really thinking about, like, man, I can't mess this up. It's just frustrating to watch. Absolutely so, frustrating. I want to talk about things that you saw in the game that were good. Let's talk about that some positives, good. some things that were good. The connection between Zarek Cooper and Josh Pearson is still strong from last season. Yes, fantastic. I'm not worried about those two. Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. Um, Stefferson actually came into the game mm-hmm. at one point. I was watching my highlights today. He actually played a little bit. So he has game experience coming into this week. So that's a... Yeah, good for him. He didn't really do anything, but, but. I mean... He was just in there blocking. He didn't really catch anything. Yeah. But, I mean, he has game experience. That's a good thing going into this next week. Maybe he'll actually be running and catching balls that uh, Cooper throws to him. Yeah, if we, you know, have some some throws that are going to go longer than four or five yards. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, for me, I was really pleased with Trey Berry's performance. Tight end? Yes. He, I think he was – he might have been 10 for 10. Is that the set I saw? I think so. Like 10 receptions on 10 targets. For me, he he was easily – I think he played the best in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was – other than Josh Pearson and Derek Cooper, he was the most focused. Yeah. And the yeah. most hyped up. Uh, Zarek, his stats show that he had a really good game. But I was saying this before, stats can be deceiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get a lot of passing yards when you your team never runs the ball and you have really good receivers. And I think our depth at the receiver position is really forgiving for Zarek. Um, throw a lot of really short passes that should be completions anyway, so we had a very high completion percentage. Um that being said, throwing for 400 yards and having 80% completion is still fantastic for any quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just those two throws that were pretty costly in the end. But I st- I think Zarek had a good game. I didn't think he had a great game. He had a great passing game. Yeah, but I mean... Yeah, yeah, he had a great passing game for the, the plays that were called, excluding those two passes. No, like he rushed for negative nine yards. He did not have a great rushing game. Mm-mm. No. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want yeah, to talk about. Trey Berry had uh, 10 receptions for 83 yards. Yeah. He had a good game. He had a very good game. Uh, He's in the hype video. He was yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. He's the one with the red mohawk. Yes. If you're wondering, if you're a listener wondering. He had a great game. He got paint poured on him, and he was able to recover. He was fine. Anything else you want to talk about this game? Uh, Highlights, lowlights? I don't think we missed a kick. That's cool. Mm. Our kicker's doing great. Yes. Good for him. That is another plus. I don't know his name. What's his name? I don't know. I see him at the gym all the time. Yeah. Uh, But he is 
he is doing great Good for so him. far, so I'm, I'm very happy about our kicking <laughs> game right now. Um, I'm just going to list off the top five uh, receiving uh, receivers this game. Uh, Jamari Hester for uh, caught seven for 90 yards. Longest was 33. Joe Barry, 10 for 83. Longest was 17. Josh Pearson, 5 for 81. Longest was 33. And Bird received 6 for 66 yards. Longest was 26. So we have receivers. We absolutely have we receivers. We have receivers. I think that's easily our most stacked position. But you have to have enough time as a quarterback to mm-hmm. throw to them. I don't know. For me, it really just circles back to the offensive line yep. and, and coaching. That's really it for me. I completely agree. All right, I think we've talked enough about it. I think I, we have. I think we've got all of what we wanted yeah. to say out of the way. It's a little ranty, but we warned you it was going to be a little ranty. Yep. I hope we were making sense <laughs> and not just angrily talking at a microphone. But I don't know. It's tough. I still think we can easily turn the season back around. Oh, easily. It's just going to come down to. We will see this weekend. Yeah. We will see this weekend. It's going to come down to coaching and discipline. Mm -hmm. We can do it. We have the talent. We're playing our arch rival, Chattanooga. We are. I mean, anything can happen. That game has always been close. Yeah. So, and UTC actually had a good showing against Eastern Illinois last week. They won 24 to 10. Yeah. So. And then your Jacksonville State Gamecocks obviously lost to Selah. So, I mean, 0-1 um, team versus a 1-0 team, I mean, it's the first game. Yeah. You, know, you can't really judge anything off of just the first game. Yeah. Um, again, it's a rivalry game. So this Anything can go can any, any single way. But I will say, UTC sucks. <laughs> um. Thoughts on the game this weekend? Win, man. I, <laughs> I just want to... After that horrible loss, I want to destroy you. Absolutely, UTC. man. And I hope our team comes pissed off more than anything ever. What's the expression? And Full of piss and vinegar? Is that what yes. they say? Yeah. I hope that they come out and just dominate absolutely dominate from the kickoff that's the hope it's just i want to see that fire you know what i mean like Uh we were playing with no drive no aggression and football is a game of intensity and aggression Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm really hoping to see this saturday and if i see that we should win i i don't see any reason we will be so much better off for the next absolutely if we come out Busting people in the mouth. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know a whole lot about UTC's roster, so I don't have much insight to offer in that department. Um, I just know that I that we are a better football team. We are a more talented football team. I'll say that than UTC. Than yes. UTC. I believe we're one of the most talented programs in the country. For FCS, yeah. Yeah, for FCS. Me, <laughs> little asterisk there. For FCS, I completely agree. It, it's I'm I'm literally leaving it up to the boys. Yeah, at this point, and they if, have to prove to me 
that they want to win yeah. the rest of the season. And if Gross wasn't kicking their butts this past week in practice, there's more reason for him to be on the hot seat. Yeah. If I'm not going to say we need to fire Coach Gross because to say that would be blasphemy at Jacksonville State University. But what I am going to say, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. All right, so what's your prediction on this weekend? Like a score prediction? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. If we can get our offense going, I think we can put up five touchdowns. Uh, it's so up in the air, man, because I don't know how the offensive line is going to perform. If the offensive line comes out and they perform well, I think we can score five touchdowns and win this game 35-14, 35-17, something like that. I really believe that in my heart of hearts. But if the offensive line doesn't come out and play better than they did against Sela, It's going to be a long game. Yeah, it's going to be a long game. It's going to be a long season. But score prediction, I'm going to have faith in the boys. And I'm going to say JSU 35 UTC, 24. Ooh, close one. Yeah. What I want to happen, what I want to happen is completely different from what I know what will happen. Okay. What I want to happen is for JSU to win 56 to 10. That's what I want to happen. Yeah. What I actually think will happen is if we come out strong, we'll win. But if not, UTC will win. I don't ever want to say UTC is going to win. I don't either. It tastes like vinegar, vinegar coming out of my mouth. I've made my rule known that I'm never going to pick against JSU in any sport, in any situation. So I'm sticking with JSU winning, even if the offensive line does not show up. Uh, and I'm saying that UTC is going to score a couple touchdowns because we didn't touch on the defense at all against CELA. I was very unimpressed with the defense Very uh, at the CELA game. Just just tackling. Just um, our tackling was so poor. If we cannot tackle against UTC, they will run our butt over. Yeah, so I'm going to say 35-24 because I was so unimpressed with the defense. But I think if we can get the offense going, that's going to have to carry us. That's what I think. That's a fair uh, assessment. Um, Score-wise, I think it'll be a lot closer than what yours is. Um, I think it'll be, I'm going to go with JSU, but I think it's going to be a lot like my freshman or sophomore year. Where we won by a field goal. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 24-21 JSU. That's closer than I want it to be, man. What were the scores the past couple years? Do you know them off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. But we've it's been a while since they've beat us. Yeah. Yeah. It's been they haven't been blowouts. Mm-mm. But it's a rivalry game. It's yeah. gonna be close. But I've going into the UTC games, I've always just kind of felt like we were going to win the game. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. For me, it's never been like a nail biter. And we've had some close finishes. Here, I'll, I'll try to pull up the scores. Because I honestly just don't remember. Yeah, so in 2017, I believe this is 2017. I have Yeah. All right. So we played them in 2014, and we went into overtime and won 26 to 23. Oh. And then in 15, we played them again before we played Auburn. And again, we won 23-20. I didn't know it was that close those years. Because in 2016. Oh, I forgot about the overtime win in 15. We beat them in overtime in the playoffs. 40, 42 to 30, 41 to 35. In 15? Yes. On the road no, to Frisco. Yeah. Not on the and road then, as in a way. Yeah, on the yeah, road yeah. to Frisco. And then but in 17, then it was 27-13, which is a pretty comfortable scoreline. It's two touchdowns. Yeah. Um... We didn't play them last year. And then I really think the offense can catch fire and score five touchdowns. I really believe this in my heart of hearts. But if the offensive line doesn't show up, then I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't know. If we come out firing, it'll, it'll be – it'll get our defense hyped up too to where they'll make stops – and it'll be a large margin with JSU winning. If not, because of it being our first time game of the season, the defense will already be hyped up. If our O-line suffers, then I have JSU winning 24-21. A little too close to comfort. Too close for Very comfort. Too close. Very too close. Too close for comfort. But, yeah, I don't have a lot more to say about this game. Like I said, I'm not particularly familiar with UTC's roster. Um, But I I do know that we are a more talented football program. That's what I know. All right, so we have some other FCS games to look at. We do. First one is actually the FCS game of the week on FCS Fans Nation. SEMO at Montana State. Ooh. Now. Good old SEMO. Yes. We have a bit of a history with SEMO. Now, I will say this about this game. SEMO impressed me last year. Yeah, absolutely. When they they beat us. After they beat us, I was like, OVC's getting two in the playoffs. They beat Stony Brook in the playoffs, which nobody had SEMO beating Stony Brook at all. And then their first game of the season, they played their rival, Southern Illinois, and I believe just completely dismantled them this year. So I'm going SEMO by four. Okay. I, I like SEMO. In this matchup, I don't like SEMO, but I like SEMO in this matchup just because they impressed me so much last year. So, But I will say this. It is a 
Montana State is a tough place to play. This is true. This is true. So we'll see how Simo does in Bozeman. So, all right. The next matchup is Central Arkansas and Austin P. Austin P. Central Arkansas is coming off of an FBS win against Western Kentucky. Oh yeah, a former FCS. Uh huh. So, I mean, the Bears could get business done against um, Austin P. They could I, do. I don't know. I like to think that they're gonna. I'm staying neutral on this game. Yeah. I think Central Arkansas will win. But the OVC side of me is wanting Austin P to win. That's to fair. Prove ev- to show everybody that the OVC is a lot stronger this yeah. year. Yeah, it would be nice for Austin P to get some wins, and then for us to beat Austin P. That'd be nice. That'd be very nice. That'd be very nice. Very very nice. Go P. All right, you heard it here, folks. Go P. <laughs> All right, next one is an old rivalry. Dating back to deep two days for these two teams. North Dakota at North Dakota State. Oh, wow. Who are you going to pick? I know North Dakota State's going to win. That's true. We we all kind of know that. But because they have UC Davis or Delaware, they have Delaware next week. Just because I know that they will probably end up beating Delaware – and if they end up lo- losing this game, they're going to take it out on Delaware. I don't really care about Delaware. Yeah. So I'm going North Dakota fighting Sioux. Wow. Well, fighting Hawks. Let me get that straight. Oh, yeah. Fighting Sioux is their old nickname. There we go. I'm going North Dakota. You go for that, man. Are we going to count these predictions in our yes, prediction we total? Are. Okay. I'm going to go with North Dakota State. All right. Next one is an FCS-FBS matchup. It is North Carolina A&T versus Duke. I watched Duke play this past weekend, yeah. so I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I've gotten burned underestimating North, North Carolina A&T. That's who it was, right? North mm-hmm. Carolina A&T. Yeah, I've gotten burned understating them before. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I'll give it to them. I'm going to give this one to him. Seeing how Duke played against Alabama to start off, I was impressed. But as the game went on, Alabama just won I mean, down. it's a mismatch. It's just it's going to go Alabama's way. Right. So it's tough to judge a team when they're playing the best team in the nation. Correct. But with North Carolina A&T, they'll do the same thing. But North Carolina A&T, as JSU fans have seen, they never get worn down. Yeah, they can gut it out. I'm going with the Aggies on this one. I'm going to go with you. Yeah, yeah, I like that. All right, next game includes newcomer to the SCS, Long Island Sharks. The Long Island Sharks. Against the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. You want to go first on this one? Man, I just love that mascot. It's a good mascot. I love that mascot. I'm going to be cheering hard for Long Island to get their first FCS slash Division One win. Yeah, I will be too. But i got to go with Jackrabbits. 
I have to go. With you this. got to, man. I think the Jackrabbits are going to end up blowing this game out. Yeah. I w- as much as I would love for the old Sharks to come in and take a dub, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't either. I don't. I, don't I think, think they're going to impress some people once they get to conference play because they're okay. eligible for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, in their first year. I, Against South Dakota State. It's no, just, it's not I'm happening. Sorry. I'm, I'm not. Sorry, guys. It's not happening. What does their mascot look like? Their physical mascot. Last last week we talked about uh, Youngstown looking like a club penguin. I, we don't know what their mascot looks like. We That's know what their logo looks find like. Find out. But I don't know what their logo or their is... mascot looks like. All right. Oh, so wow. while you're doing that, the next game we I think have... I found it. That's kind of. I don't know about this one. Hold on. Is that it? Is that him? That's not very interesting for you people listening. You know, me looking at a picture of a mascot. But, um, it's just, it's a man in a shark costume, but he has hands. That's odd. Wait, no, I'm looking at the wrong picture. I tried my best. I tried my best to find it. Right, I'm sorry. So. I was looking at the the picture for uh, Suffolk County Community College, which is a shark that has fins but also hands, which is a little strange. Very, very strange. Anyways. All right, so our next game is Eastern Kentucky versus Louisville. Okay. This could be a good game. It could be. This is the first test that we have of Eastern Kentucky proving that they will be a contender in the OVC yeah. this year. If they can hang with Louisville, I don't think they're going to win. No. But if they can hang with Louisville, I'm going to have eyes on our last game of the regular season. Yeah, um, I was saying this before. I think we were all saying it. We would love it for the OVC to toughen up a little bit. Um, but now that JSU has a loss under their belt, maybe maybe the rest of them can calm down just so we can win the conference. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I have faith in the Cox. Um, it would be awesome if Eastern Kentucky could could hang with them long enough for people to start respecting the um, OVC a little bit more. I'm going Louisville in a close one. Yeah, I'm choosing Lo- Louisville. 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 But... I would love it for Eastern Kentucky to be able to hang. Mm-hmm. Our last game we have is North Alabama at Montana. Now you got to remember, North Alabama has beaten two big, big three conference teams. This is true. They beat Southern Utah last year. Granted, they were absolutely awful last yeah. year. Yeah. And then they beat Western Illinois, which Kyler says they're going to be bad, but I'm like. They're still going to be a middle-of-the-pack Missouri Valley team. I, I just I'm not sold on them being at the bottom of the Missouri Valley. Yeah, I don't know. This could go either way. It could, but I want to say Mon- Montana is favored by a good bit. Yeah. I mean, you are much more versed on most Alabama collegiate programs than I am just for the for the 
sole reason I'm from Georgia and you're from Alabama. Right. So uh, I think you're a little more knowledgeable about this subject. Montana but, is favored by 24 and a half points. Yeah. I mean, Montana should take this game. Montana should take this game. If they don't, what does that say about the big sky? Yeah. What does that say about UNA as a team for us in two weeks? What yeah. does that say about the Big South and possibly KSU not finishing with the best record in the conference, but still winning the, the conference I ought to bid to the playoffs? Tuna truly is the key. It's the key for so many aspects of the conference. So I don't you know. UNA fans that are that listen to this and that are going to the game, you better be making some noise in Montana. <laughs> At Grizzly Stadium? Yeah, I'm sure they're all driving up to Montana. <laughs> I know not all of them are going, but no. the ones that are going. But I'm actually going UNA in this one. I thought you were going to say you're going to Montana to watch no. the game. I was like, all I, right. Waterford would kick me out of the <laughs> if I had done that. But I'm going UNA by a touchdown. I'm uh, not going to do that. <laughs> Going Montana by a couple. By a couple. By a couple. I should. The smart thing is to defer to the person who's more knowledgeable on the subject, which is you. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna pick against Tuna. All right. I think that wraps up this episode. I think so. I think it's a little shorter episode. Uh, coming up on 50 minutes, but um. Yeah, we're trying to keep them down to a pretty reasonable length. Because the first couple were about an hour 20, I think. The last one was about an hour. We're going to try to keep it about an hour for future reference. Anything you want to say? Um, Nothing other than uh, the Cox are going to win by 90 this weekend. And then every game after that. Uh-huh. And then we're going to beat... We're going to be FCS champs. We're going right? to be FCS champions by 90. And then every year... From now on, this is the beginning of the dynasty. Last week, we also said it was going to be the beginning of the dynasty, <laughs> but that was a joke, and this one is serious. For sure. Definitely. All right, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Follow our yeah. Facebook page. Definitely do that. Do all that. Anything other than that? Huh? Fear the Beak. No, go Cox, Fear the Beak, Blow Southerners, Cox by 90, Whoop the Mox. Chuck Fadden, you go. I think that's it. <laughs>